Morning, everyone. How do you feel about that extra hour? <laughs> Can you even tell you got one? No. Will you stand with us? We're going to sing praises to our king. We're going to be glad.
Amen, amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing today? Good. For your extra hour of sleep, I would have expected a little more enthusiasm. How's everyone doing? Great. Did you enjoy your extra hour of sleep? Because this guy didn't. You know why? I'll give you three reasons. Jedediah, Abram, and Elias. They were up at the original 4 a.m., the new 5 a.m., ready for a Super Mario party. And guess who is King's Bowser there about to stomp? Me. Not cool. Anyways, it is a good day, and we have a lot to celebrate. We're so glad that you're here to celebrate with us, our King Jesus, because we worship a living Savior right now in the here and now. And one day, our faith is going to, or it's going to be revealed. It's going to be sight. We're going to be able to see it in real person. But we don't wait till then to celebrate. We celebrate what we have in Jesus right now. So we hope that you're ready today. We hope that you're excited to be here, and we are ready to learn, fellowship, and grow with one another. Um, I want to uh, say welcome to our guests, any first-time guests this morning. There's a little uh, uh, connect card in the chair back in front of you. Um, if you could fill that out, and then right after service, take it out these back doors, and we would love to connect with you and your family all about our church and what's going on here. But it's so good to see you guys, and we're so thankful that you're here today. We've been praying for you all this week, and we know God has something really special for us today. I invite you all to stand, and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services this morning. It's awesome to see you guys. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us back to this place, to, to, you, to this building, God. Uh, you bring in your bride together to be able to connect with one another, to worship and grow. Lord, I pray that you steady our hearts, you ready our hearts, and you prepare our minds for what you have for us today. Um, I'm so appreciative of the time that you've had with our pastor this past week. God, I pray through all that study time and through the, the preparation that he's had that you've been able to have a good community good connection with him, and that he is ready to go this morning to preach the word that you've touched his heart with. God, help us to be receptive to that so we can be a light to a world that desperately needs you, God. We love you. Help us to be more on fire for you each and every single day. Equip us today with what you want us to have in your name. Amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a few moments.
16 uh, this is a reminder to trust God that he provides listen to his words these are his words in Matthew 6 therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Do they, they do not labor or spin? And I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For unbelievers run after all of these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And then Philippians 4:19 says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply your needs, and God promises to provide for his own. Let's sing Honey in the Rock. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, and on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know Everything I need you got There's honey in the rock Praying for a miracle Thirsty for the living well Only you can
We thank you for the honor to come and worship in a free country. Lord, we worship, we praise your name for giving us the opportunity to just worship you and give you back something that we have that you need and you want is our whole life. Lord, we love you and we cherish the time that we have with you. Lord, as the song says, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Lord, thank you for my daily walk with you. And Lord, open our eyes that we might see all those that are in need and all those that are hurting. That we might lend a hand, that we might show them that there is a Jesus. All they need to do is accept and open the door. And we love you and we cherish you. And Lord, if there's one here today that needs you close to their life, that needs to open that door. Lord, please let them open the door and walk in. In Jesus' name we ask thee. Amen.
Thank you, praise team. They did a great job leading us in worship. Let them know that. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. There's honey in the rock. Boy, I like that song. How about you? Good to see you. Everybody good? I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to did you, did you take advantage of that extra hour? Or did you wake up early anyway? Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Hey, uh, can I tell you something about, about myself, about Will? I've, I've been here 26 years, so I know that you figured this out. But, but let me just affirm it and tell you. I'm just ordinary. You know, I'm, I'm trying to come to grips with that because all my life I wanted to be more than just ordinary. Are you with me? I mean, I, I, can remember, Justin, I can remember, Justin, when I started playing football in the fifth grade. We, we didn't start until the fifth grade, and I wanted to be a superstar. I had a vision, a goal, a dream of playing for the Dallas Cowboys. But you know what I was? Just ordinary. And then we went to basketball, and I knew I was going to tear it up on the court, Zane. I knew I was going to be that superstar. And one of the first games we played in, I got the rebound, and I shot the basket, Thank God that I missed the shot because I was shooting at the wrong goal. <laughs> and from that moment, my basketball career was on the downhill slide. I was just subordinary. Then we went to baseball, and sure enough, I rode the pine. I wasn't even ordinary then. I was below ordinary. But all my life, I've dreamed of being great. Now I'm grown up, and I play real sports like cowboy action shooting. And, and, and I have this dream, this goal of being great, but I'm, I'm not great. I'm just ordinary. I love to play golf, and every once in a while, I'll hit a great shot, and I think, man, that, that is awesome. I am great. And then I putt, and I miss it by a mile, and I realize I'm just ordinary. I've always wanted to be handsome, good-looking, but I've just come to the conclusion, you know, I'm never going to get there. I've always wanted to be a great preacher, but I'm just ordinary. You know what? Listen to me. There, there, there really is nothing wrong with being ordinary if we realize it is ordinary people that God can use to do the extraordinary through. And that's what I want more than anything else. I want God to unleash his extraordinary touch and miracle power through my ordinary life. And in that regard, ain't nothing wrong with being ordinary. Let me tell you a story about that. There was an ordinary Sunday school teacher whose name was Ed. This was way back in the 1800s. He, he, he taught teenage boys in his Sunday school class and they were all lost, and he prayed every day that these boys would be saved, and he would go see them either at their school or at work. There was one young man in his class that he really had a burden for. The, the kid's name was De Dwight, and Dwight worked at a shoe store. And so one day, Ed showed up at this shoe store and found Dwight in the back stocking shelves with shoes, and he started witnessing to him. And lo and behold, that teenage boy named Dwight invited Jesus into his heart, and God transformed his life, and he himself became a great man of God and a great preacher. Dwight was preaching in the British Isles one time, and he told the story of 
Ed, the Sunday school teacher, who led every one of the boys in his Sunday school class to Jesus Christ. Well, this inspired a pastor named Fred to share Christ with everyone that he met. Once when Fred was preaching, a man named Wilbur got saved, who became one of the most effective evangelists of his time. A retired baseball player named Billy learned from Wilbur how to hold crusades, and Billy got saved and started preaching, and he became a great evangelist for God. At that same time, there were a group of businessmen in Charlotte, North Carolina, who wanted the ex-baseball player, now evangelist, named Billy to come and hold a crusade in their city. At the last minute, Billy couldn't make it, so he asked a friend of his named Mordecai to take his place. Mordecai didn't have nearly the name that this Billy did, and so the crowds were small. But one night, a tall, lanky, 16-year-old kid, after hearing Mordecai preach on the cross of Jesus Christ, walked down the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. His name was Billy. Billy Graham. And Billy Graham went on to communicate the gospel with more people than anyone else in history. I don't know about you, but in my life, I've been to several Billy Graham crusades. Any of y'all ever go to a Billy Graham crusade? Any of y'all know anyone who was saved at a Billy Graham crusade? Let me tell you, he rocked the world with the gospel, but you need to understand all of that started with an ordinary Sunday school teacher. You may have heard of Billy Graham or the retired baseball player turned evangelist Billy Sunday. You may have heard of Dwight, whose name was D.L. Moody, one of the greatest preachers of all time. But you've probably never heard the name Edward Kimball. He was the Sunday school teacher. Or Wilbur Chapman, or even of Mordecai Ham. So the point of this whole message today is simply this. God loves to unleash the extraordinary through average ordinary people. And can I tell you something, friend? Nothing wrong with being ordinary when God is unleashing his extraordinary power through your life. How do I know that that's the fact? Well, because there's a story in the Bible all about it. I don't. If you have your Bibles, I don't know if you carry them in here anymore, but I'm going to be reading out of mine to Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. It's also going to be on the big screen. I went through my, uh, through my sermon notes, and I realized I've never preached this passage. I've been preaching for, I don't know, 40 plus years, but I've never preached from this passage. So can you tell I'm super excited? I I told the first service people, don't worry, we've got to be out of here at 10. I'm not going to say that to you. (laughs) But don't worry, all right? It it, it won't take too long. It's awesome, though. Here it is, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now, those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem. 
And so they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarshish to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and they taught large numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them named Agabus. He stood up and predicted by the Spirit of God that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This did take place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. And may God add his blessings to the reading and now the preaching of his word. Let me say it again because this is the main point of the message. God loves to unleash the extraordinary through ordinary people. Now, let me tell you the reason for that. We see the reason of this explosion of evangelism in verse 21. It says, the hand of the Lord was with them. And in the Bible, the hand of God refers to the power of God bringing either judgment or blessing. And in this story, it is the hand of God bringing salvation. Isaiah chapter 51, 59 verse 1 says, The arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Uh, that's awesome. That, that tells me that God's hand, his arm is long enough to reach all the way down here to Kavanaugh Church and to save your soul if you need to be saved today. So the, the reason for this extraordinary power was the hand of God was blessing them. May God's hand bless us. May God's hand bless Kavanaugh Church. The result. Because God's hand was with them, we read of the great results in verse 21. It says, a great number who believed turned to the Lord. In verse 24, it says, a great many people were added to the Lord. And then again in verse 26, a great many people were taught. So here's what happens when God reaches his hand down and blesses a church. They reach more people with the good news of the gospel. Every day people were being saved. Every day people were being discipled. While God did the work for his glory and growth of the church, these believers lived with certain requirements. And you know what? We have some requirements laid on us as well. As I studied this text, I realized that these ordinary believers were involved in the same four focused areas that we at Kavanaugh Church are involved in and committed to. That is gathering together, growing in our faith, giving to the Lord, and going to the ends of the earth for the glory of God himself. So that's what we see in this passage. That's what we are about as a church that is coming together, growing, giving, and going. So let's take these in the order in which they appear in the passage 
and study them. Number one, we are to go with the gospel. We are to go on mission. Look at verse 19. Now those who scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So they left Jerusalem because of persecution. Remember back in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, we started our sermon last week with with this story. It says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word of God. The reason they left Jerusalem is because of persecution. Stephen had been preaching the word of God, and what did they do to Stephen? They stoned him. Now before they threw rocks at him, they took off their jackets, their garments, their cloaks, and they laid them at the feet of a young man whose name was Saul. And he approved of the stoning of Stephen. The next thing we read in Acts chapter 8 is now Paul had become a one-man wrecking crew trying to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He, He was persecuting believers, having them arrested, thrown into prison, and even killed. And because of this persecution, believers left the city of Jerusalem and they went everywhere everywhere preaching the gospel these believers were scattered yet they were set aflame and energized by the mighty spirit of god and they sowed the seeds of the gospel everywhere they went and as they scattered they shared jesus only with those who had a jewish background but then verse 20 tells us others began sharing the gospel with hellenist these were gentiles who spoke greek look at verse 20 But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. So these men left Cyprus and Cyrene, these islands, and they went to Antioch. Antioch is 300 miles north of Jerusalem. So they really spread, didn't they? Antioch was one of the major cities in the Roman Empire at this time. It it was great with with commerce. It was very progressive. It was the first city in the ancient world who had streetlights, literally torches burning at night. But even though they had streetlights, they were a spiritually dark city. Paganism and vileness was everywhere. Right outside the city of Antioch, there there was a city park that was 10 miles in circumference and they worshiped the goddess Daphne there. Hundreds of temple prostitutes populized that park and sold themselves as an act of worship to the goddess Daphne. It was in that dark city that these men went to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the interesting thing about this. Are you with me? Here's what I'm getting to. Here's the great thing. Would you notice that those who went to Antioch. All these who went there, not a single name was given. We don't know who they were. We know where they were from, Jerusalem, Cyprus, Cyrene, but we don't know who they are. Why is that? Well, God loves to unleash the extraordinary through just ordinary people. Notice these unknown men and women spoke which is the word for simple, ordinary conversations. It's also used in verse 19, where we see that they were speaking the word of God. They were using ordinary street language to communicate the gospel and salvation. 
They were simply living on mission. They were sharing naturally about Jesus Christ in the conversation and course of everyday life. These common Christians communicated Christ in their daily conversations. Their porches became their pulpits. Their workplaces became their areas to witness. Now, church, I don't know, but that gets all over me. (laughs) That's a good word for us today. While there is a place for preaching like I'm doing right now, the vast majority of regular, ordinary Christians need to be taking the good news of the gospel to the streets and speaking to people about the Savior who can change their lives. And here's the bottom line. We can do that. We can do that. Oh, I'm just, I'm just an ordinary Christian pastor. That's what these guys were. Ordinary people that God used to do the extraordinary through. Don't you love it? Verse 21 says, a great number who believed turned to the Lord. People were being saved everywhere. Why? Because they took it to the street. They used common language to share the good news of the gospel. And then what happened? Well, they grew in God's grace. Because so many pagans were being converted, news traveled fast back to the mother church in Jerusalem. And and, and they wanted to certify this outbreak of salvation. So in verse 22, they sent a trusted man by the name of Barnabas. Here's what 22 says. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas was a wise choice because he was a Greek-speaking converted Jew from the island of Cyprus. So he knew this culture, he knew this area, he knew these people, and he could speak their language. As I read through this story, I I saw at least two actions of Barnabas that we need to implement in our own life when it comes to helping people come to know Jesus and grow in their faith. Number one, we need to be glad about grace. Grace needs to bring a smile to our face and joy to our heart. I love the first response of Barnabas, evident in verse 23. It says, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was... He was glad. Grace should always bring gladness into our life. Barnabas never got over God's grace in his own life. And I believe Barnabas had this built-in radar to detect God's grace in other people's lives. He was even able to celebrate grace in an imperfect church. Don't you just love people who love God's grace? And just hand it out. They're just dishing out God's grace to people who need the grace of God. And can I tell you something? There will come a time in your life when you desperately need God's grace. I'm thankful for people like Barnabas who can detect that and dish it out. One pastor describes those who deal in the currency of grace this way. He said they have their heat sensors adjusted and alert for embers of grace that they can fan. While the other kind of people, it seems, have their buckets of criticism ready to pour on the ashes of imperfection. 
You know, I, I really hate to say this, but I think in a whole lot of churches today, we, we, have, we have people who only look at other people from a critical perspective. And all we can see is each other's faults. And all we can point out are our own imperfections and your imperfections. And, and while I believe there is a spiritual gift that helps us to, to build other people up and show them their imperfections, what we need more than that is we need grace givers. I was recently talking to a person who, who left church. They left their church because when they needed grace the most, nobody gave them grace. God, would you raise up at Kavanaugh Church a bunch of Barnabases who can sense and spot people who need grace and just pour that grace into their life? Here's a good question. Is the gladness about God's grace in your life motivating you to give grace to other people? Not only that, Barnabas teaches us that we need to help other people grow in grace. After being glad about seeing God's grace, the second thing Barnabas did was help them grow in the grace of God. The verse goes on to say, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. The word exhort means to encourage, to beseech, to come alongside of someone and, and help them. It, it's the idea of providing positive encouragement. And he did that so that they would remain faithful. That means that they would adhere to or cleave to a set plan. He also wanted them to have steadfast purpose so that they would not cave into the culture they lived in or shipwreck their faith when hard times came. Grace led to gladness, which led to growth. Barnabas saw potential, not problems. I talked to a new Christian recently who said, I am a work in progress, to, to which I agreed with and laughed and said, you know what, I am too. And we need people to help us grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Barnabas's nickname was Son of Encouragement. He saw grace and celebrated grace. He gave grace and he helped other people go, grow in grace. Because of his attitude of affirmation, Believers became faithful and focused. I'm wondering, can, can people see evidence of God's grace in your life? Are you helping others to grow in grace? Are you encouraging that in other people's life? The, the word encourage means to put courage into someone. So is there anyone you can pour courage into so that they don't give up and follow the devil? In verse 24, we get a picture of the character of old Barnabas. It tells us in 24 that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. He was full of goodness, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. The word good means large-hearted and useful. He was a man of conviction and commitment. In short, Barnabas practiced what he preached. He was committed to the Great Commission and the great commandment. In summary, Barnabas was the real deal. He had a genuine faith. And because Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit in faith and was known as a good guy, 
many people were added to the Lord. You know what? The way you live your life can either push people away from God or draw them close to God. When Barnabas realized that he couldn't disciple all of these new believers by himself, verse 25 tells us he put out an SOS to his old friend Saul. So Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul. And verse 26 tells us when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and together they taught a great many people. So here Barnabas is trying to teach them and disciple them, realizing he can't do it on his own. And so he left Antioch to find Saul so that they could minister as a team. And even though these two men had not seen each other or worked together in 10 years, Barnabas knew that Saul was a better teacher than he was and that he could provide significant training for these new believers and the church needed that. And so Barnabas became humble. He put himself aside. He he realized, you know what? I'm I'm just ordinary. I need somebody better than me to help me lead these people. And so him and Saul worked together to disciple these new believers and help them grow in their faith. Isn't that great? So they were going and reaching people. They were growing as disciples. Number three, we see they gathered together with God's people. Look again at verse 26. For a whole year they met with the church and they taught a great many people. For one full year, Barnabas and Saul gathered together with God's people and the church. No doubt doubt there had been a, a big space for them to meet in because there were hundreds of them who were converted, showing that believers in that day gathered in large groups and then also in small groups. It's not an either or, it's a both and. We're together in a large group like we are right now, but we're also together in small groups like C groups where we can pray for one another and help each other grow in Jesus Christ. I want you to look at the last part of verse 26. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I I can't tell you how significant that is. From this point on, Antioch became the focal point for gospel proclamation. And it was the place from which missionaries were sent out to go into the ends of the world. It was in Antioch we were first called Christians which means a little Christ, a follower of Christ. But you need to understand this. It was was not given to these believers from the world as a compliment. It was very degrading. look 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 at those people. They're little Christs. They're trying to follow Christ. It, It was a degrading term. But the Christians didn't mind it at all. I I don't mind being known as a Christ follower, do you? In fact, I, I think it's a compliment. And can I tell you this? If you are a Christian, you need to wear that name well because it was first given to some of the finest men and women on the face of this earth. And if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, then believe and behave accordingly. You know, one thing that the preacher can't do is micromanage his congregation. I, I tried to do that one time when I, when I first became a preacher and, and realized that it, there, there's no way possible. But you know what? I pray for you every day that you be a godly person. 
I pray that you behave like you say you believe. And that through your actions, you never bring disgrace on the name of Jesus Christ or Kavanaugh Church. The church at Antioch was committed to going with the gospel. They were growing in grace, and they gathered with God's people. Number four, we see they did this as well. They gave what God had given to them. Give what God has given you. Listen to verse 27. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus, how would you like that for a name? Oh, Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And you know what? It came true. This took place in the days of Claudius. So when these Christians heard about the famine, they unleashed their personal finances. Verse 29, so the disciples determined everyone according to his own ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. It's striking to me that everyone participated. Not just some of them, not just the majority of them, but everyone. Everyone gave. Now, they didn't all give the same amount because it says each gave according to his or her ability. As God had prospered them, according to their potential. No one gave everything, but everyone gave something. That's a big lesson for us to learn. Again, I want you to understand this. No names were given. No names were given. I can remember years ago going to see a preacher friend in, in Duncanville, Texas. They had, they had sold their old church building to a, to a different congregation, and, and every Monday that preacher would go over to the other church and get the, the, the payment. They were paying weekly for this church from, from this church, and, and he would always pick up their bulletin. He, he, was, he was amused by this, and he showed it to me one day. On their bulletin at this particular church, on the left page of the bulletin from the previous week, they listed everyone who gave and what they gave. Hey, hey. I, I want you to notice in this passage, no names were given. No names were given. Why? Because God loves to unleash the extraordinary through ordinary, obedient people. You know, it's, it's been said, and I've, I've got to believe this, we've got way too many tippers in the church when we need to have tithers. But you know what? Tithing, giving 10%, is, is just the base. It's where we start. The, the Bible also speaks of proportional giving, grace giving, meaning the more God prospers us, the more we ought to give. And that is exactly what we see in this passage. Here are a couple other passages, one from the Old Testament and New Testament that prove this. Deuteronomy 16 says, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. In fact, look at me. In the Old Testament, when you came to worship God, you never came before God empty-handed. You brought God the best that you had. And then it goes and says, every man shall give as he is able to give, according to the blessings of the Lord your God that he has given to you. And then Paul backs that up in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 by saying this in verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, 
of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I, I don't want you to miss the fact and the reality of what is going on here. These are Greek-speaking Christians. They were pagans who were saved. They lived in Antioch, 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Yet they spontaneously gave abundant money to Christians who were Jews in Jerusalem. Actually, verse 30 tells us they not only sent their money, they sent men. It shows when part of the body is hurting, we should do everything we can to help. Amen? God loves to unleash the extraordinary through ordinary people. In our application today, I want you to think of one specific step that you can take in each of our four G's. What are the G's? Gathering. We gather as God's people. I cannot tell you how important it is for you to be here on Sundays. You need to be here. This place infuses your life with life. And don't think it matters if you miss. It matters to you, and it matters to the rest of us. We need to be here. We need to publicly worship God. We need interaction with other believers. We need to gather. What can you do to be a better gatherer? Number two, we need to grow. That's why we have C groups. That's, that's why we have small groups, so you can grow in your faith. And you know what? You, you don't need to just be sucking it all in. You need to be helping other people grow. The way you can become a better disciple of Jesus is by discipling somebody else. So we gather, we grow, then we give. We give, not just, not just possessions, not just our tithe. We give what we have. We give of ourself. We give our talents. We give our time. We give God our best. We gather, we grow, we give. Don't forget this, we go. We go spreading the good news. We go out into the world and we talk their language. We take the gospel to the streets. We have taken seriously the command of our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, to seek and to save those who are lost. And we realize if they are to know the good news of the gospel, if our friends and family members and co-workers who are lost, if they're going to make it to heaven, it's because God uses us and we go to where they are. We open our mouth and we boldly speak of the grace of God, which has the ability to change their life and save their soul. And that becomes a priority in our life. Here, here, here's the struggle I'm having, okay? This has been a burden for me my entire life. I can remember as a kid, 10 years old, being burdened for people's lives. When God called me to be a pastor, I had a vision in my head of pastoring a church that was a soul-winning church, and, and we saw masses of people being saved. I've had that burden my whole life, and everywhere I've pastored, I've preached this. I've pounded it from the pulpit. I've prayed for it. Now, don't take me wrong. Kavanaugh is a great church, isn't it? This is an unbelievable church. God's hand of blessing is on us. 
We are growing. We are seeing people saved, but not like we need to see people saved. You know, and I'm not judging you. I'm just, I'm just kind of telling you what I'm, what I'm picking up and what I'm feeling. I, I think for, for most average, ordinary believers, the desire to witness and to see people saved, maybe, you know, it's there, but it's way down on the, on the barometer. It's way down maybe a four or five. We need that to burn in our hearts. And let me tell you, my prayer for you, for this congregation, in the twilight years of my ministry, my prayers, Lord, set our hearts aflame. Burn inside of us a holy desire to share the good news of the gospel. Help us to take it to the streets and tell people every day how they can be saved. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see that baptistry up here right behind me every single Sunday and every single week we're baptizing new people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know how that's going to happen? When you allow God to use you to communicate the good news of the gospel. Can, can I tell you what I am? Now you're afraid. I'm just a nobody who wants to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Would you join me today in, in watching a, a closing video by Casting Crowns that, that tells us about nobodies? God is looking for a bunch of nobodies to tell everybody about somebody who can save their soul. And today, he's taking names. He's allowing us to sign up. And I'm asking you to come and give your life on mission to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Start with your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. Tell your kids about Jesus who can save their soul. Let's see people saved at Kavanaugh Church. Let's see people enter the kingdom of God because we have become bold in sharing our witness. Heavenly Father, I pray that you do that in our lives today. And dear Jesus, if there is someone in this room who's never been saved, I pray that today they would come and receive salvation. Lord, for others who just have problems, who need to come and pray, let them do that. But for the majority of us, I pray that we would come right now and sign up to be on your team, to be your ambassador. Dear Lord, may we come and ask for courage and boldness to open our mouths and speak the good news of the gospel. Be glorified in the commitments we make. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come? Come and pray right now. Come as God's Spirit leads you. going to continue to sing and I want you to continue to come. I've got John Harville who's come to the altar this morning. John has recently went through a surgery. I visited him in his home this week 
and he has asked that the elders of Kavanaugh Church come and gather around him. I'm going to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, according to James chapter 4, and we're going to pray for healing in John Harville's life. Would you come and gather around him, and you come and volunteer your life to be a follower of Jesus. Let's keep singing. And the people said, amen. Would you give God a hand today? Because he is worthy. He's worthy of all of our praise. And I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I pray for Kavanaugh Church. Help us to be a light in this dark world. Help us to be salt in this corrupt society. Give us boldness, dear Lord, to share the grace of Jesus with those who need to be saved. Dear Lord, would you bless our church? Help us to be Help us to be a witness for you and help us to see hundreds and hundreds of people saved. Help us, dear Lord, as a church to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You can be seated just for a second. I've got a ton of announcements, so hang with me, okay? Would you please just hang in there a second? If you are a member of Kavanaugh, please put your offering in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest, just fill out one of those Connect cards take it to the connect counter. We'll give you a gift. This is the last week for C groups before we take off for the holidays. So please be in your C group this week. We worship signups are going on over at the We Worship counter. We need help for 2024. So please sign up for that. Y'all been squawking for a directory. Well, we've got one for you. So pick one up when you leave today. One per family, please. We've got a group of men right now in Puerto Rico. They left yesterday. Uh, I, I think they're safely there. I haven't heard otherwise. There are eight men from Kavanaugh who are there as a, a mission team from our church uh, helping Pastor Jose and the people of Puerto Rico. So pray for them. We've got another group going to Puerto Rico in February, and they're trying to raise support to get over there. Two ways you can help. 
they're going to be cooking turkeys, smoking turkeys for Thanksgiving. Any of y'all ever had one of their turkeys that we've smoked here at the church? They're good, aren't they? They really are. So they're for sale. There's a table out there in the lobby selling those tickets for turkeys and a beautiful quilt hanging there. Did you know we have a quilting club in our church? These are awesome ladies who come together every Tuesday and Thursday and build quilts. I've been in there before. It's kind of like a sweatshop is what it's actually like. But they, they give these quilts away, and they're absolutely beautiful. They have given one of the quilts uh, for a raffle. All the proceeds are going to this uh, Puerto Rico mission trip. You can buy raffle tickets for $10 out there at that uh, counter as well. This Tuesday is a day of prayer for Free Will Baptists, so please stop. Pray for our ministries, pray for our denomination. Let's pray for each other because, man, we need it, don't we? We need it. I'm praying for you. I love you. God bless you. Be a witness for Jesus this week. Take it to the street.